0: Turn with me in your Bibles to First Peter, if you would. First Peter, chapter number one. First Peter, chapter number one. I am did something last night I normally don't do, and that is I stayed up past eight o'clock and uh, uh, much past eight o'clock. CCV um, Center for Christian Virtue um, had an um, event last evening in Columbus. And um, they recognized our church for um, its stand for religious liberties, um, specifically during um, the pandemic when uh, with our lawsuit against the health department. And so we were able to be there and be recognized, and we were excited about that opportunity, uh, except it was exciting. It was an exciting night. Uh, uh, um Kaylee McEnany, uh, Trump's press secretary, was keynote speaker. So my wife and I were able to meet her and and uh, get her pictures taken with her. Michelle didn't think it was that big of a deal, um, but um, uh, I enjoyed enjoyed that. And but it was about twelve thirty. I came pulling into my driveway, and uh, normally I'm about. I don't know my third bathroom visit into the night by then, you know, at 12:30, four and a half hours into sleep, and and uh, just starting my night at 12:30. So, uh, you bear with me this morning, but it was an honor just to represent our church, and and um, uh, so many are are so grateful for our willingness to stand for religious liberties. And the fight is still there. And uh, the the world is not getting any more righteous. The world is just getting worse and worse. But those are the things that we were promised uh, is going to happen in perilous times. Things are going to get worse. And that's the opportunity a time for the Christian to stand out and be light. And the greatest opportunity for us to be light is in the darkest world. And so I want to encourage us, even today, uh, I want to encourage us through the message today to be light and to serve the Lord and uh, just an amazing, uh, amazing generation that we're living in. Many would rather be born or live in a different generation, but we were reminded even last evening at this event that, uh, as with Esther, uh, she was in the palace for such a time as this. And God has us in this generation, not to look at it and wish we were in a different generation, but to serve Him in this generation. And we don't. We don't have to. We don't have to give up. We don't have to get weary. We don't have to to quit. We don't have to 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 conform to the things of this world. We can stand with God's strength, and I want to encourage us to do that. In First Peter, chapter number one, verse um, three, if you'd. File along reading with me, if you would, please. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promise, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." You know, I'm reading the wrong. I'm, I'm sitting here reading this something, and this does not sound like I've studied. And I was just going to keep reading until it all came back to me. And guess what? It wasn't coming to me. And um, remember what I said was happening to me last night? This is why I sleep at 8 o'clock. I was thinking, boy, my wife, she put the wrong message in here for me. If you go to 1 Peter with me, how many of you are in 1 Peter? Great. That's where I'm at this morning as well. Some of you are in 2 Peter. I'm in First. All right, here we go. Blessed be the God. This is it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. You can say amen right there. Inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love. And whom though ye have not seen, uh, ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. verse number nine, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to lift our voices up to you this morning in song and worship Lord, you are a great God. And we praise and exalt the name of Jesus Christ this morning. We thank you for the great salvation that we have. And Lord, even though we don't fully understand, one day we will be in heaven with you and we'll understand it then. But what we do understand today, Lord, is this, that we are sinners. And you loved us. You came to us where we were and you saved us. And we wanna thank you and we wanna praise you for that great salvation through Jesus Christ. But Lord, there are some that, Lord, uh, would have to admit that we get weary. Trials come. Lord, burdens come. Sickness comes and pain comes. Lord, we get weary in this world. Lord, there's days that we don't understand. There's times, Lord, that we just don't see what you're doing. And so would you allow us today to understand something from your word, and would you cause our hearts to rejoice today? And so, Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you meet with us. We pray, Lord, that you protect us today, that you feed us today. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do only what you can do here in this place today. We rely upon you. We submit our hearts to you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I begin today, I want you to i want to remind you um, just to pray for several. If I don't do it now, I'll, I'll forget. And I, I really want us to pray. Um, I want you to continue, if you would, please to pray for uh, Loray Danforth. And um, I want you to pray for Doug Davison as well, if you, if you please continue to pray for him. There's a, a website, CareBridge website, that you can get details uh, about Doug. But um, uh, Doug just needs our needs prayer, Mary. And uh, I, I rejoice um, when I think about uh, Mary and just her faithfulness to her husband. And uh, just to see him just continue to be in pain and hurt uh, and she just stands there faithful alongside of him. And I want to encourage you. I know when, when uh, some of these that we mentioned, it's been a period of time now. It's been a long time. Um, in the beginning, we send cards and we communicate, but then we kind of um, get busy and maybe not get the updates. Uh, I want you, if you would, please to maybe just reach back out to some of these that are struggling and in, in need uh, I think, Doug, for Doug, it's been over 200 days, I, I think, if that, my memory's correct, um, and uh, just, just really needs our prayers. Um, also Debbie is in the hospital, Debbie Williams, if you pray for her, she um, was sick and just continued to, to try to fight it and then found out what she was sick from was COVID. And so um, she's in the hospital. She's, she's doing better. But if you'll just uh, pray for her, uh, she's on the, the recovering side of it. And so we're, we're thankful for that. But if you pray for these, and uh, I know they would uh, deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate your prayers. In First Peter here, we find Peter, the, uh, this is the one that was rebuked by Jesus. It, this, the, the, the Peter that wrote these, these two epistles here in First and Second Peter is, a, is the same apostle that Jesus said, uh, "'Get thee behind me, Satan.'" When Peter, with his, with his, uh, uh, his, his uh, strength, his own personal strength, is relying on his own abilities, when Jesus tried to give his apostles, this is what's going to happen. And, and Peter is going gonna go to, he's going to go to death with Jesus. And he's not going to allow anything, even God's will, to happen with Jesus. And Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter, this is the same one that when Jesus was walking on water, Peter wanted to get out of the boat and got out of the boat and and took a step and then just began to sink. This is the same Peter who, when the soldiers came and, and Jesus was going to be arrested there in the garden of Gethsemane and, and he, he uh, took his sword out and he cut the ear of that, that soldier off and, and he watched Jesus pick that ear back up and place it back on the, the side of that soldier's head and heal him that day. This is the same Peter who, who just had his own ambitions and, and was going to do his thing. And, and always, we, we knew of Peter back in the, in the, in the gospels of he's constantly saying things that gets himself in trouble. He's, he's constantly, he's an ambitious person. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth and, and he's always getting called out. This is the same Peter now that is uh, 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 writing this epistle. This is the same Peter that said of Jesus that I'll never deny you. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me, deny me three times this evening. And Peter just went and bitterly wept. This is the same Peter, though, that later in the book of Acts, we find that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and some 3,000 souls were saved. And, and, and what I love as I follow Peter's story, it's the same thing that, that can happen in our lives as well. You know, we grow in grace and we grow in, and, in, in our knowledge and, and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and we don't have to be what we've always been. God can use us and, and, and our past doesn't always have to define us. And And just because there were some things that happened previously, it doesn't mean that God can't use us presently and into the future. And and that's the story I love about Peter. Because now at this portion of time, now Peter is the aged Peter. He's the mature apostle. He's the uh, the seasoned veteran now of following the Lord. Peter is in a, a difficult place in life. He's in a totally different understanding. When he was following Jesus through the Gospels, he was just kind of young and, and trying to figure this out. And, and just when he thought he had it figured out, he'd, he'd realize he has nothing figured out. Now, now the Holy Spirit of God is, is moving Peter to pen these words, these epistles that Peter is now writing to those that are scattered throughout Asia. Or this would be modern-day Istanbul or, or Turkey and, and areas of Syria. This is, this is that whole region that, that Peter is writing to, the, the believers, those that are scattered abroad. And great persecution has come upon the church. Believers that believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're being punished for what they believe they're 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 being jailed they're being put to death and you would have to understand there's got to be great discouragement as He's writing to these that are scattered throughout Asia, throughout Turkey, and, and in that region there. You would, you would know that as Peter's writing these that are going to receive this epistle, they're going to receive it. Some may receive it as they're sitting, hiding for, for their, in, in fear of their life, or some are going to receive this as they're, as they're being persecuted. And, and Peter is writing this to encourage the believer. Sometimes if Paul is writing an epistle, he's writing to the church, like the church at Corinth, he's writing them to uh, 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 discuss something that they're, they're doing wrong, Pick some sin out and and address it. There were some things they were doing in the in the, in the uh, communion and and things that they were behaving and, and they just weren't living right. And, and And Paul addresses that. Paul says of those in Galatia uh, uh, that that how, how how have you so soon left what you once knew? and 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 he's dealing with carnal Christians. But but Peter is not dealing with that. Peter is is trying to encourage believers that are that are just weary. He's encouraging believers that have been persecuted and just living a a difficult life. He's he's getting them to understand that that living for Christ is worth it. That at difficult times and stresses may come and, and temptations may come, but he's reminding them of who their faith is in. This is not just some religious movement that may soon pass. This is not just a group of of human beings trying to start some revolution or starting to, to try to start something in their own flesh. This was started by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is like no other. This is their savior was was placed in a grave. In three days after he died, he was resurrected from the dead. No other could say this of a human being outside of the apostles that followed Jesus Christ. And there was a direct assault. That direct assault was waged against the church of Jesus Christ. And Peter writes to these that are the most affected by this persecution. And church, I would say this to us today, that direct assault against the church of Jesus Christ has pursued even till this day. There may be some times, some periods in history where we may have looked at and say, well, it looked like there was some relief or it looked like there was some, some help. But I want you to, to know this, that the Bible tells us that Satan is as a roaring lion seeking whom he de- may devour. He has always been on attack against God's people, always. God's people have always had an enemy, Satan, And although we may think and may see that times are difficult in this generation, there were times, previous generations, where it was extremely difficult to be a child of God. It was extremely difficult to be a believer in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And specifically at this time, as Peter is writing this, he's writing to these that are scattered abroad. They, they, some may not be in their homes, some are scattered, and they're scattered for different reasons. When, when Jerusalem, there in Jerusalem, when they came on the day of Pentecost, they came from all around, and the gospel was preached, and thousands were saved, and they stayed there in Jerusalem, and, and, and a great work was happening in Jerusalem, and the Bible said every day they were added to the church, and a great revival took place. But God wasn't desiring that that great revival just stay there in Jerusalem. His desire was that the gospel would go to the known world. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples, to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, not just those that were in Jerusalem, but the entire world. And so God, through his plan, began to scatter the church. For what reason? Not because he was forsaking the church, Not because he no longer loved the church. He began to scatter the church because he wanted the gospel to go around the world. And that's what we're reading of as Peter is writing to them. And I want you to see with me again, Peter says this, Blessed be the God of our Father, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want you to write this down, please, this morning, someplace in your heart. What we find here in verse 3, verse 4, and verse number 5 is this, that Peter is encouraging the believer with a reminder of our future hope. And I want to encourage us today, as Peter uses this epistle to encourage the believer uh, as a reminder of future hope, I want to encourage us today of that same reminder that we have a future hope, and that hope is not found in anything that a human being can do. That hope is found in the mercy that God has begotten us again unto a lively hope by what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to remind us today that it's God that holds this together. So sometimes life can seem like it's out of control. I'll tell you over this last little while, over this last, uh, uh, I guess it's been over a year or more now, I feel like I lost an entire year. How many of you feel the same way? It's like you think about it and I told, um, I told Kaylee last evening, I said, I introduced myself and I said, I was prayed at a Trump rally uh, when here in Toledo. And she said, oh, wh- wh- when was that? I said, oh, I think that was 2019. And she looked at me like I had 10 heads. And and uh, my Michelle later on said, no, that was last year. That was 2020. And I just lost a whole year, I feel like. But over this last year or so, God has just put this burden in my heart several things. One is just Christian standing for the faith. The statistics tell us this, that in many cases, over 50% of the church has stopped coming to church with no plans to return. Some just are weary some are tired. Just some, some look at the, the, the landscape around us and just, sometimes it seems hopeless. Sometimes we look around us and we just think, what, what more can we do? We look at our children, we look at our grandchildren, and we almost, in fear, are thinking, what's, going to, what's their world going to look like? We're looking at things that are, that are happening in our world and, and I think you would agree with this statement that it just seems like at one point something was wrong and now it's right and what was once right is now wrong and it's so confusing. Someone to live with, with morals and someone to live with a biblical perspective and someone to say that the Bible is going to be my guide and I'm going to live by it and I'm going to uh, obey it and that's what I'm going to set as a foundation of my, of my life. They're mocked. It's coming to a place where those that, that believe the word of God, now they're seen in a negative light. And I want you to know this, church, it's no different now than it has been in generations past. Peter, though, is taking the opportunity to encourage the believer with a reminder of a future hope. And he reminds us in verse number three that this, that according to his abundant mercy, this is a promise that's made by God and it's held together by God's abundant mercy. This is a promise that's made, and it's a guarantee by God. Oh, listen to me today. The hope that we have for eternity, the hope that we have of salvation, the hope that we have in eternal life, the hope that we have that one day we will be with our Savior for all of eternity. As we read the book of Revelation, there's no more tears and no more sorrow. That's not just some false hope. That is hope that we have, and it is held in the hand of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. By his power, Jacob, our son, he's gone a couple weeks with the guard. But he, uh, he, before he left, he they took him on Mother's Day, and uh, before he left, a couple days before Mother's Day, he called me. He said, "Dad, I'm thinking about getting Mama a Mother's Day gift." And uh, I said, "Well, you know what is it, son?" And he told me, "I'm going to buy Mom one of those remote vacuums. You just..." It just vacuums your whole house, and 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 I I love that because I thought to myself I love my kids getting old enough now or they have jobs they have money they can buy their mother gifts for Mother's Day not me I love it and I said oh well, I think that's going to be a great gift son I said do you do you mind buying it I'll just put all the girls' names on that gift as well that'll he said no dad I think this is just be from me and so he went to the store. He did all his research. He bought one of these, these, these vacuums that we were in Columbus last night and my wife was on her cell phone and, and she hit a button and the vacuum starts vacuuming all the way in Toledo. Yeah. It, it talks to, this vacuum has a name. And, and, um, so Jacob, it's calls me, he's at the store. He says, Hey dad, I, I found this vacuum. He's telling me all that it's doing. And he says, I'm going to buy a, a warranty on it. What do you think? And normally, I said, you know, son, I don't know. Warranties, I, they're, they're kind of a He said, Dad, I can buy a warranty for the lifetime of this thing. If anything ever happens, no questions asked, you just take it back to the store and they give you a new one. I thought, that's a pretty good warranty. And then I said, I, 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 I'd buy that warranty if I were you, son. I think it's a great warranty. So he, he bought it and he came back and, and we were looking at this vacuum and, and uh, uh, he said, now, dad, I had a question for you. If, if we buy this warranty now that I bought it, if the company goes out of business, who honors this warranty? I said, well, son, nobody. He's like, dad, you told me to buy this warranty. I said, no, the warranty is a great warranty, a lifetime warranty. But if there's no one there to guarantee the warranty, what good's the warranty? And he is the he is the cheapest kid I know. He's like, should I take it back, Dad? Said it's up to you, bud. It's your money. But I could tell the look on his face is, if this warranty isn't any good and I'm putting my money to buy something that may not be there in the future, I saw this joy that he had of getting this go almost to, hmm, what did I just do? I thought about that as I was studying this passage of scripture. Because Christian, our faith is not in something that one day could fail us. Our faith in Jesus Christ is not in something, and this is exactly what Peter is going to talk about here in this first chapter. Our faith is not in something that we are going to hope for our entire lifetime and then find out at death that the, 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 the salvation that we had through Jesus Christ is no longer good that the manufacturer went out of business or that God had lost his power. It's not one that we live our entire life for and we come to the end of our life and find out that we lived our life in vain and there's nothing there at the end. What Peter is doing, he is encouraging us in this passage of Scripture that our faith that is found in Jesus Christ, our faith that is found in eternity, look with me, he says in verse number four, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. This salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, oh, it may seem like the world is on an onslaught against it. It may seem at times that Satan is doing everything he can to destroy it. It may seem at times that we're frustrated. It may seem at times that our hope is gone, but I want you to know that our salvation is found in something that can never be taken away. Our salvation is found in something that can never fade. Our salvation is found in something that is never going to be corrupted. Our salvation is found because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, the Bible says. It's based upon the work of God, not man. Look again with me in verse number three. He says this, his abundant mercy hath begotten us or hath given us life again. We're born again unto a lively hope, something that's alive. This is not something, that lively hope is not something that we just cross our fingers and hope this is the right decision. This hope is alive because Jesus Christ is alive. This hope that we have is a hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead It's the resurrection of Christ. That's what our hope is based upon. And so as we struggle, as we go through sickness, as we go through pain, as we see those that we love going through trials and we raise our hands and we say, what is the hope and what is the sense? I want to remind you today and I want to encourage you what Peter encouraged the church with is that our hope is forever because of Jesus Christ. In verse number four, our inheritance, he says to an inheritance. You know, that inheritance, it's something giving to you because of your relationship to someone. How many of you have ever got an inheritance before? We were out to dinner the other night, my wife and I, with family in our church, and they were talking about an inheritance that they had from her father when he passed. When my dad passed, I received an inheritance. I received uh, some of his possessions uh, that that he had, and and the reason why I received those is because I was his son. Jacob, um, he collects guns, and so as he was growing up, I'd I'd buy a gun, and I'd give it to him for birth, his birthday or. It's Christmas present. Michelle one time said to me, another gun? He's not going to want any more guns. And he looked at her and said, be quiet, Mom. I'll take as many as I can. He loves to shoot guns. He just, he loves it. He's spending this whole week. We talked to him yesterday and he's going to shoot guns all week this upcoming week. There's no, there's no ammo. So he's just shooting blank guns from the military, but he's going to enjoy doing it. But uh, I bought a couple handguns just recently and I'll be honest with you, I bought them because I thought to myself, oh, Jacob, he won't spend all his money on his mom's Mother's Day present. He'll buy one of these guns for me. I thought maybe I'll even make a little bit of money off my son, you know. And so I, I bought these guns and I said to Jacob, I said, what do you think about these guns? He said, oh, they're nice, Dad. I said, do you want to buy one? He said, no. I said, but, but I got two. It's the same gun. I, I bought one because I thought you would buy one. And he said, Dad, why would I buy one? I said, so that you can take it, use it, have fun with it, shoot it. He said, Dad, I'll just wait. And I'll get them all from, for free from you. And I told that little smart aleck, I said, good. Good. I said, I just changed my will. My son-in-laws are getting all of my guns. You can buy them from them now. And he said, dad, you have no son-in-law. So. But he said, why am I going to wait? They're going to be my inheritance. Why, why would he say such a thing? You know why he can say that? Because I'm his father. You see, that word inheritance is because of a relationship. That word inheritance ought to encourage us as well as Paul is writing, because our God is our heavenly father. That means this, everything he has is going to be ours one day. Oh, oh, listen, this is the creator of all the universe. This is a holy, righteous, loving God. This is the God that just with his words, he spoke into existence everything that we see. This is the God that said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everything that God has is going to be mine because of an inheritance, because of my relationship, because of who he is. You see, this inheritance, it's given to someone because of a relationship. And every single person can have this relationship because this relationship comes through Jesus Christ. He says this of this relationship, it's incorruptible. You know what that word incorruptible there to an inheritance incorruptible it's not subject to death or decay it's everlasting the inheritance that we are going to have is because of who we are in Christ and also that inheritance is never going away that inheritance is salvation that inheritance is everlasting life that inheritance is in heaven and I want you to know this today although it may seem bleak today although it may seem like tomorrow is so hard and, and although it may seem like life is so difficult and you're facing some major decisions, you're facing some major issues, he talks of these temptations that, that come to us and, and the discouragement that comes because of it. I want you to know that you have an inheritance from your Heavenly Father and that inheritance is not subject to death. That inheritance is not subject to decay. That inheritance you have is everlasting. You one day will see your. face to face and you're not going to get that taken away. There's not going to get to a place in heaven where we say it's no longer there. It's dead or it's decayed. No, our inheritance lives forever. Rejoice in that. Look with me in verse number four as well. This inheritance is incorruptible. It's undefiled. It fadeth not away and it's reserved in heaven for you. It's reserved in a place not subject to destruction. It's reserved in a place that there is no more sorrow. It's reserved in a place where there is no sin. It's reserved in a place that is in the presence of God. It's in heaven. And it's kept, verse number five, who are kept by the power of God. This inheritance that is incorruptible, it's kept by a powerful God. Listen to me today, no enemy can take it. No promise can be broken. No injustice can be done against it. Because a righteous, faithful, true, honest, holy, all-powerful God is holding this all together. Peter is encouraging them. Secondly, he's encouraging them with reminder of why we can rejoice. Look with me in verse number six. He says, wherein ye greatly rejoice through now for a season. If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He calls it in verse number seven, the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth. How many of us look at the trial of our faith as precious? No, most of the time when there's a trial that comes, that's a trial of our faith, or there's, there's a, a heaviness that comes through temptation, we don't ever look at that as a blessing. We never look at that as something that we desire. But Peter says, I want to encourage you with a reminder of why we can rejoice why we can rejoice even though we suffer for a season? Why we can rejoice even though we're going through a trial? How can we do this? Because our strength sometimes can get very weak. Our faith can become very small. Our, our patience can almost be gone. But one day, it will be worth it all, church, when we see Jesus. I love that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face because one day there's coming a day that we are going to see him face to face and our trials will be gone. Our problems will be gone. We will be with our savior. It is coming, church. That day is coming. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, comfort one another with these words. What was he saying? Oh, the trump of God is gonna sound. The dead in Christ are gonna rise and those that are alive, and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds forever. Oh, listen to me. It may seem bleak. It may seem like tomorrow uh, is so difficult. It may seem like this is the trial of your life. You may not understand it. You may not seem like there's a way out, but I want you to know that there's a God in heaven that's holding this all together. And Peter is reminding the scattered that our hope is in the eternal, powerful God. Our salvation is guaranteed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our, 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 our faith is held by the powerful hand of God, paid for by the glorious blood of Jesus Christ. Life is For some at this point, this season, it may seem overwhelmingly hard. Maybe there's mountains in front of you that just seem there's no way to get over these. Maybe there's valleys in front of you that just seem like they're too deep to cross. But oh, Christian, this is not our end because our salvation is in Christ. And because of that, Our future is sure. This past week, Israel is just being bombarded. I did a lot of reading over the last couple days. I was reading articles and just saving some. I'm putting them, a series together of end times prophecy. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like you could study one week and just with the events of today, you're, you're out of date by the time you get ready to preach it. Boy, things are happening at such a rapid pace. I read an article that said that Russia and Turkey have began to meet because this battle that's taking place this war that's beginning to rage in Israel they're viewing as national security threats and so now they're going to get involved and i read that article and i'm like this is ezekiel this is exactly what he said the the the, the world is 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 saying for the most part that israel is the terrorist And, and it may seem hopeless for Israel. And there's been times, I, I know through, through World War II, it must have seemed hopeless for God's people. And there in, in Egypt, it must have seemed hopeless for God's people. At different times throughout the, the generations, Israel, it just seems hopeless. But God's word is sure. Their Messiah is Christ, and they're going to see him one day. You oh, know, Christian, our Lord, our Lord is coming again. This world seems like it's in turmoil. There's trials of our faith. There's difficulties that we're living in. There's manifold heaviness through manifold temptations. But look at me in verse number nine, and I've got to be done receiving the end of your faith. Look at Peter says, even the salvation of your souls. There's hope. There's hope because there's Jesus. I'm not minimizing anything that you're going through today because it's manifold, heavy temptation. It's difficult. It's hard. But, oh, Christian, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to rejoice because our salvation is not in anything of this world It's through something that this world could not even hold. It's something that death couldn't hold. It's something that Satan couldn't defeat. His name is Jesus. And he is our savior. And we can take comfort in him today. Father, help us today.